Hey, good evening, everybody, and welcome back once again to Tips from the Server Room. This is episode number 102 for December the 8th, 2015. I'm your host, Jack, and I'm going to guide you through this magical world of servers, connectivity, network switches, fiber optics, and all things that we have to deal with each and every day. This show is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Check out all the great tech shows at techpodcast.com. Also, don't forget we are syndicated, I guess syndicated, or picked up with stitcher.com, S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R.com, where you can download their app onto your smartphone today. Do it right now on your iOS or Android device. Please check out my website at tipsfromtheserverroom.com, where you can comment on these shows. You can also leave me a voice message. And please don't forget that at 724-701-0550. Once again, that's 724-701-0550. If you have any questions or ideas for future shows, please send those to me. You can email me at jackstechcorner at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter and as at Technoman. And if you've noticed tonight, if you follow me on Twitter, that... I did post a link for the live show here because we are uh, streaming these shows now on YouTube. And they're also, hopefully everything looks good, they're also being recorded on YouTube. So immediately after the show, if you miss something, you can go back and watch it. Uh, It also does a DVR feature, which is pretty cool, where you can uh, play back from the beginning. Even if I'm in the middle of the show, you can start from the beginning right, you know, whenever you happen to be uh, tuning in to us here in the little studio. So first of all, let me pick up from last Tuesday. Last Tuesday, you notice we didn't do a show, and I'm very sorry about that. I planned on recording it maybe Wednesday, but then we got tied up, and then Thursday didn't look good. And by Friday, I thought, no, we're going to wait to produce the show on Tuesday night as we normally do. So I just left it fall. And the reason was is because there's household things that need to be done this time of year, getting close to the holiday, and you're getting ready to put up a tree Uh, If you live here, you know, if you celebrate Christmas, um, you're putting up a tree in your house. And the wife wanted the carpet steam cleaned. So that's something that I do. I steam clean the carpets. And we happened to be doing that last Tuesday. I said, do you think I'll be done before 8 o'clock to put on a show? And she said, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Well, it turned out 10 o'clock I finished steam cleaning the carpets. So we did not get a show produced last week. So this week, we're going to start off, I'm going to ask for your help. So if you're listening to this podcast, listen closely. If you're watching the live stream, again, listen closely because I need your help on this. Um, and, you know, it's it's funny sometimes when, um, if you look at me as being helping you all the time or, or teaching you, um, and that's wonderful. But I always tell even my people that work with me, I don't know everything. We all can't know everything. We try to do our best to investigate everything and try to figure it out on our own. But I thought, you know, I'm going to put this out there to you, the listener of this podcast, and say, hey, look, can you maybe help us out? So we're talking about VLANs and VLAN routing. And here is our issue. We're putting in new Cisco switches. Okay, I believe they're, I think they're 2960s. And we also have a, uh, a core switch we put in. And let me get the model number for you as I turn around here. The model number of the core switch is a 4500X. It's a C4500X is our is our core switch, uh, our layer 3 switching, which has 16 
fiber optic connections to it. 10 gigabit fiber optic connections. So here's our problem is today we started to set up our VLANs. Now everything is running fine on VLAN 1 as, as you, I'm sure you would know it would because everything's defaulted to VLAN 1 and all the traffic is routing and everything is talking to the IP addresses as they should. Well today we try to set up a management VLAN. Uh, we called it VLAN 99, not that that really matters. But, um, and I signed it to a switch, uh, so we have a, a 2960 underneath of this 4500 switch. And on the 2960, I plugged my computer into port 25, and I signed port 25 to VLAN 99. And I turned on IP routing on the, um, on the core switch, on the uh, 4500. I turned IP routing on. So... My thought process and everything I've learned so far in reading, uh, watching YouTube videos, as we all do, um, from a lot of great people out there that teach this stuff, that was everything I needed to do to route my IPs. So our base IP structure for the network is a uh, Class A network. It's running on the 10.16 uh, uh, subnet. And we created another subnet. I think it was 10.20, let's say. Uh, so... On the core switch, on VLAN 99, we gave it an IP of 10.20.1.1. So on my computer, I gave it 10.20.1.2 with a default route of 10.16.20.1 being the core switch. And I can't talk to anything. Uh, nothing is working. Nothing is communicating with anything else. So my question is to you is, how do I get the core switch to see the v not to see the VLANs, I guess, to see the VLANs. I programmed those all. But if I want to have 10 different VLANs with 10 different subnets, how do I allow all those different IP addresses to communicate across the network to different subnets? Uh, because obviously we're going to have a server subnet uh, or a VLAN. We're going to have a VLAN for a wireless, uh, a VLAN for uh, educational staff, VLAN for administration staff. Um, and, uh, of course, the management VLAN. So those are just the top VLANs that we're looking for, and they're going to be on different subnets. But that is my question to you, and I'm sure a lot of you uh, listening to this and watching this on YouTube say, uh, man, Jack, we do this all the time. You know, it's, it's a piece of cake. It's really easy. Uh, sometimes I overthink things, uh, and I, I get myself into <laughs> in very deep, and maybe I don't need to be as deep as where I'm at. Um, like I said, I turned on IP routing, but I don't see it in the configuration file. They say you should see it, it should say IP routing in there. Uh, and I don't see, I don't know why. I've typed the command in several times, you know, in the config T. So I know I'm putting it in correctly, but I don't see it. So something is really strange. Um, today we did set up a um, an IP uh, routing or an IP default route, um, you know, route of, I guess, last resort. Uh, and we put the... Um, we put the um, default gateway, uh, so it's 0 .0 .0 0.0.0.0 space, 0, .0, .0, 0.0.0.0 space, and then we put the gateway into our firewall, thinking that the traffic would at least route to the internet. I can't even route to the internet from that VLAN port 99. So that is my question for you guys. Uh, again, you know, you can't know everything, and I hope that nobody watches this uh, video or listens to this uh, the podcast and say, Jack, you, you should know everything, um, you know, uh, because you're teaching us. I can't. I don't know everything. I'm very good at server administration. 
uh, and I'm very good at building networks, but this part of it is very new uh, to me anyway. So, so hopefully you can help me out there and uh, give me some tips and tricks from there. Um, hey, if you want to call that voice line at 724-701-0550 and leave me a voice message of how to do it, email me directly and say, look, this is how you do it. Um, you know, this is what you're missing because I'm missing some key part and hopefully, uh, you'll pick this up, uh, either, uh, tonight after the show or tomorrow and, and you can get back a quick response for me and I can get this thing uh, running and humming along, uh, the way we want it to. So in tonight's show, what I thought we would be talking about here is wireless networking. Um, I went to, I sit on a board uh, at a local college and, uh, the big topic of, of conversation it's a technology college and i sit on the technology board and the reason they have us come in is they want uh industry people working in the industry not really industry leaders but uh, people in the industry and what they look for at this college is they ask us what is the trend uh, out there what should we be teaching new students young students coming in you know should we be teaching the windows nt server and you're like nah uh, they don't really ask that, but but you get the idea. So they want to know what is happening in the world of technology because they teach it. They're behind those closed walls, and the only idea or the only thing they know about technology is the curriculum that they're writing. Um, now, these people all used to work in the field. Don't get me wrong. They're very intelligent people. But once you go behind that closed walls of, of a college, I think you start to lose touch with what people are actually doing, what's the trends, what's technology, what's changing in technology, because they're teaching a, a you know a standard, and it's very hard. Don't get me wrong. If you're if you work in a college, uh, you know, um, bless you for that. Um, I've thought many times of teaching at the college level. Um, I was asked to teach at a technical college once, um, but um, they. We couldn't come upon an agreement uh, of where we needed to be, so I didn't go there. But the thing I'm saying is uh, you're locked in that little that little sphere that you're teaching in. So today I brought up, you know, the industry is leaning towards wireless. And wireless networking, look at wherever you're working. If you're working in education, visit any college. Visit college campuses. You walk into Starbucks, there's wireless. You walk into uh, a McDonald's, there's wireless. Wireless networking today is becoming so um, uh, so important in our society. People walk in places and they expect right away that they should be um, they should be you know given free Wi-Fi access. So with that said, I brought up that wireless networking is the industry standard. So they replied back, well, then, uh, Jack, well, I guess we don't have to teach that much about cabling, infrastructure, switching, uh, VLANing, everything like that. And I said, wait a minute. For every wireless uh, access point, there has to be a wire connecting it. So I said, you do need to place emphasis on the wired infrastructure. Uh, it's very important. But as we've seen putting these new switches in, we are now running less and less wires into our switch racks, and we are hooking up more wireless access points to provide uh, total coverage, uh, you know, very strong coverage, and to make sure it's a very quality coverage. So that's why I thought we would talk about wireless um, and some ideas for you to deploy wireless to enhance your networks and to allow you to provide your users with access to your network or to the internet, or lack of.
So we'll talk about that. Uh, first, we're going to talk about, uh, let's see, let's first talk about some wireless and many types that we can deploy. And when I started preparing for the show, I mean, I've been deploying wireless networks for, geez, probably 15, 15 years or better. Uh, maybe almost 20 years I've been putting wireless networks out. Um, you know, ever since we tried early on, wireless wasn't big with the big companies like Cisco. Um, and now we're running Cisco uh, Meraki. And again, I tell you all the time that these companies don't support, don't sponsor this show anyway. But if I use something and I think it's worthwhile, then I'll share that with you because um, I don't want you to go through those stumbling blocks that I've went through uh, trying to find a proper uh, setup for your network. And it may not be, but it's something to look at. Look at the wireless uh, Meraki. Uh, it was purchased by Cisco a couple years ago. And when I first bought into Meraki, it was Meraki. That's who owned it. And uh, when I thought when Cisco bought I thought, well, there goes the company. Because normally whenever a big corporation buys your small startup, um, they usually uh, consume you and then they just change your stuff and, and they ruin it. But what they did with the Meraki team was it was kind of unusual because they consumed them and then they hired the Meraki uh, engineering, the kids. It was younger. It was a younger uh, group that started Meraki. They consumed it, but they hired them also, and now they're running the Meraki group. So they are still very much in touch with it, and they are very intelligent people the way these things work. They are really amazing uh, devices. So first we're going to talk about the different kind of wireless you can deploy. If this comes up correctly, I will talk about it, and it looks like it's going to work out okay for us. Okay. Of course, we have to have uh, an ad every now and then pop up on the screen. Just blows up a little bit here. Okay. <clears throat> so first, let's start talking about a little bit about, obviously, what a wireless network is. And you probably know this, so just bear with me. A wireless network is any type of computer network that uses wireless data connections for connecting network nodes. Wireless networking is a method uh, by which homes, telecommunication networks, and enterprises, business installations avoid the costly process of introducing cables into the building. Or as a correction or as a connection between various equipment locations. Wireless telecommunication networks are generally implemented and administrated using wireless communi or radio communications. This implementation takes place at the physical layer of the OSI model network structure. Now, already, if you're using if you're using um, uh, wireless networking that was created for enterprise enterprise level wireless networking, I feel. And I know for a fact, the cost, the initial cost of that layout, you could probably get a lot of wires strung into your network. So that thing of introducing it to um, avoid the cost of introducing cables into a building, that's probably 50-50, I would say, maybe maybe 40-70. Because what happens is, you know, the devices we buy, like the Meraki I was just telling you about, those could be four... Four to nine hundred dollars per unit. So if you're deploying even twenty of those, do the math. I mean, you can do a lot of wire for that amount of money. I think where they're they're missing the key concept is 
is mobility. Uh, and I brought this up today in our in our board meeting was the mobility is it would be kind of funny to see in a college uh, people walking around with cables attached to their laptops and they're walking around. I said there's going to be a lot of tripping going on. But today, you know, with our iPads, with our uh, wireless phones on the uh, on the wireless network, you know, our, our cell phones, uh, with our laptops connected to them, you can move about pretty freely and still be connected to your network. That's the beauty of it. Um, saving money, that again, 50-50, 70-40 if you are saving money. So let's talk about some different types of wireless links. There's uh, microwave. Now, microwave communication uses earth-based transmitters and receivers uh, reassembling or resembling satellite dishes. Microwaves are in a low gigahertz range, which limits all communications to line of sight. That is a drawback of microwaves. There's also communication satellites. It's another form of wireless. Now, these are the, the bigger wireless set. We use actually we use microwave to have high speed internet beamed into our educational facility, and the reason we do that is there's no local companies running fiber to us because we're too far out in the wilderness, uh, and they just won't do that. So that's exactly what happens is they 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 radio wave it in through uh, basically a microwave. Now cellular like we're all we all know about right because we all have cell phones in our pockets that we walk around with every day. Um, I don't even call it a cell phone anymore. I call it a pocket computer um, because I can do everything, everything. I mean, I was even configuring uh, network switches with a telnet program I found uh, for for my my iOS device. So everything you can pretty much do with that, especially if you throw a little keyboard on it and carry the keyboard around with you, which is kind of odd, but you can pretty much have a computer in your pocket. So cellular is very important. Radio and spread spectrum technologies. Wireless local area networks use a high-frequency radio technology similar to digital cellular and a low-frequency radio technology. Wireless LANs, which we are really concerned about, use spread spectrum technology to enable communications between multiple devices in a limited area. Now, there's also free space optical communications uses visible and invisible light for communications. In most cases, line of sight propagation is used, which limits the physical positioning of communication devices. Now, let's get more into the wireless setting. That's what we're talking about. That's what you're concerned about. Is, is I know you're saying already, Jack, I'm not worried about a satellite communication. I'm putting wireless in my infrastructure. Tell me a little bit about that. So let's go ahead and talk about that. The first one is a wireless PAN, which is a wireless personal area network, or WPAN. It's interconnected device within a relatively small area that is generally within a person's reach. For example, and you know the example I'm going to tell you already, Bluetooth. So Bluetooth is one of these. Um, it has an invisible infrared light but provides a... WPAN for interconnecting such things as a headset to a laptop. A ZB also supports WSPAN applications. Wi-Fi PANs are becoming commonplace, it says in 2010. Uh, as equipment, designers start and integrate Wi-Fi into a variety of consumer electronic devices. Intel 
My Wi-Fi and Windows 7 Virtual Wi-Fi, Capabilities has made Wi-Fi PANs simpler and easier to set up and configure. Now, I'll give you another example of this. I know in my truck, when I take my cell phone out and I put it on the console, um, <clears throat> I hooked up the Bluetooth to the stereo system. And you'll know that if you have any new cars, that's exactly what happens. You hook it right into your stereo system. And it makes it really nice to listen to podcasts on the way to work. I just crank the volume up and I hear the podcast in my stereo. I don't have to hardwire in anymore to the stereo. You know, we used to hardwire into the auxiliary port and, and be able to listen to it that way, and that's fine. Um, Bluetooth, another thing is when we work out on the treadmill, I bought a set of Bluetooth uh, headphones. Another very close wireless because we work it with a with a uh, a tablet. We put the tablet on the treadmill, and we used to walk with the cord. Very clumsy. The cord just gets in the way when you're on a treadmill. So the wireless headset is very very nice. That's just a couple examples of of uh, Bluetooth. Now wireless LAN, a wireless local area network WLAN, links two or more devices over a short distance using a wireless distribution method usually providing a connection through an access point for internet access or network accessibility. The use of spread spectrum or OFDM technologies may allow users to move around within a local coverage area and still remain connected to the network. Products using the IEEE 802.11 WLAN standards are marketed under the Wi-Fi brand name. Fixed wireless technologies implement point-to-point -point links between computers or networks at two distant locations, often using dedicated microwave, as we talked about earlier, or modulated laser light beams over line-of-sight paths. It is often used in cities to connect networks to, uh, in two or more buildings without installing a wired network. Again, in a city, but we're doing it in a very rural rural area, uh, we are really far out, and they actually beam that microwave signal between two or three towers before it ever hits us. Um, very low latency, you'd be surprised. I mean, our, uh, our, our ping rates out, or when we do a speed test, the latency of our internet connection is probably about 15 to roughly 30 um, micron, is it micron seconds? MS? Um, so... It's amazing how it works. I mean, the radios are, I guess they're very high-powered, but they're very directional. If the wind blows that antenna off by just a fraction of a, an inch, it, you can definitely lose your internet signal. So that's something to think about. Now, here's one that, that we used at work, and we used it accidentally. I'll tell you about that. The wireless mesh network. A wireless mesh network is a wireless network made up of radio nodes organized in a mesh um, mesh technology. Each node forwards messages on behalf of the other nodes. Mesh networks can self-heal, automatically rerouting around a node that has lost power. Now, let me tell you a, a little story about how we actually um, accidentally build a mesh network. The Meraki wireless access points, if you put them in, they're wired, so we hardwire them up to our network switches. If you have a bad cable and you plug it in, naturally you can get lights. So you, you power it up, all the lights are there. Okay, so that's, that might be the first thing. Because we are using injectors on ours. We're not using PoE switches. 
And the reason we're not using PoE switches is because we saved a ton of money by not buying the PoE switches. And we already had the uh, power injectors from another wireless unit that we used to deploy. So we plug these in and we put the cable in and we plug them in up in the ceiling. All right, step one. So what happened was, even if the network, even if the network connection would drop or anything, the lights would stay on because it is powered. It's powered through that power uh, injector. We injected it. So when we're going into Meraki's control panel, which is web-based, we're looking at these things, and it gives a weird IP address. And you start to look at it and say, why does it have that weird IP? What is that IP address? So here, what was happening is with that access point, there was actually two of them. They were meshing off of the access point in that same hallway that had a wired connection. So, and it was working properly. So they did work. Uh, that's the cool thing about it. If you, uh, if something happens and uh, you lose your network connectivity to it, uh, or it doesn't have an IP address from your specific uh, IP range, um, it will still function. It just picks up as a mesh from the other ones. Basically, if you think of this as in-house uh, uh, wireless extender, uh, and, and it just started signaling, and it talked back to the other one, and, and everything worked fine. Um, it kind of, I mean, it works fine, but uh, it's not working exactly the way I designed it in my head, so we went back and rewired it and made it, put them on our IP structure and made sure it, it's an individual access point. Um, because what would happen if that one access point, anything would happen to it, the other two could lose their mesh networking, and then you, you have no signal to, to repeat, you have no mesh networking. So that's definitely something to think about. So let's talk about the wireless WAN. A wide... Uh, wireless wide area network are wireless networks that typically cover large areas such as between neighboring towns or cities that's what we're running basically or city and suburb the networks can be used to connect branch offices or businesses over a public internet system or internet access system the wireless connections between access points are usually point-to-point -point microwave links or dishes on the 2.4 gigahertz band rather than omnidirectional antennas. And if you don't know what omnidirectional antenna is, normally it's a, you see them on top of firehouses, uh, places like that, police stations. Uh, the old CB radios used to use them. It's just a, a vertical antenna and it's omnidirectional. It's, it's shooting everywhere, all the way around. It has a big pattern to it. So it's an omnidirectional uh, that is used by smaller networks. The typical system contains base station gateways, access points, and wireless bridging uh, relays. Other configurations are mesh systems, uh, which each access point acts as a relay also. When combined with renewable energy systems, such as a photo, photovoltaic solar panels or wind system, they can be standalone systems. So there's something for you also. The other one to talk about we're not going to discuss is global area network and a space network. Now... What I did want to talk about, let me see here where we can get this to. Uh, something we talked about today is wireless network elements. All right, this is something we talked about today at our meeting. The telecommunications network is a physical layer that also contains of many interconnected wireline network elements NEs. These NEs, or network elements, 
can be standalone systems or products that are either supplied by a single manufacturer or are assembled by a service provider, user, or system integrator with parts with several different manufacturers. Wireless NEs are products and devices used by the wireless carriers to provide support for the backhaul network as well as the mobile switching centers. So the wireless network elements, they're talking more of the cell systems and the cellular systems out there uh, and how they actually interconnect everything. So we are looking for, I'm good now, I'm looking for here. Um, all right, so I think I gave you the overview of what I wanted to touch upon tonight with that stuff. Let me go back to my notes here. So what we're going to talk about now just a little bit is, and I told them today is I've done a lot of consulting work with doctor's offices. Uh, you folks know I've talked to you before about medical and doctor's offices I've dealt with. Doctor's offices I've dealt with have always been very patient-oriented, and you would suspect they would be. But now doctor's offices are worried so much about their patient's comfort and their, the patient's ability to be able to use stuff like their Kindle e-reader, their iPad, uh, maybe they want their phone on the doctor's wireless for some strange reason. I don't know why, because my phone has LTE on it, and I know people don't want to eat up their data plan. Well, put the phone in your pocket. You can do that. But if you must do something, uh, the doctor's office said, look, Jack, we want to have um, a public wireless access out in our waiting room so everybody can use that public access. And, you know, what the doctor doesn't re realize, and I sat down with him, I said, look, I said, we have to worry about uh, HIPAA compliant. We have to worry about the patient's information, uh, you know, being on your servers right here in the office. If you get a good little hacker out there, they can zing into that server and pull all your patient's records. So how do you get public access opposed to allowing users to access your network? Well, this is really accomplished, and, I, and I've heard Mike Smith talk about this. If you listen to the Mike Tech Show, um, as I do, I'm sure you, uh, maybe you pick up that show also. He does a lot of consulting work, and he talks about having two totally different uh, routers. So two totally different routers on a uh, – you could even have two different internet connections for those routers if need be. But you can do it if you get yourself a firewall – uh, something like a, a Cisco 5505, I like those. It's a nice little firewall. Uh, and if you're doing this in business, they can afford it because it's for security. But what it has, it has, I believe it has four ports on the back. So the four ports on the back, what I like to do is I take port uh, zero and wire port zero to be your, your outgoing. Okay, so that's where your internet connection plugs into. Uh Port 1 on the back of there, I set that up for our internal network. And then port uh, 2, so it goes 0, 1, 2, 3. That's four ports. That's the way it works. Why Cisco ever decided to name that first port 0 is way beyond me, but that's an engineering spec, and that's I guess they are paid to figure that out. So in port 3, what I like to do with port 3 is, this is for a doctor's office, is I set it up with a total separate IP address scheme from the regular network and then what I do is I set its security uh, lower <clears throat> than port 1 does that make sense so or no port 0 would be would be a hundred yeah port 0 would be a hundred port 1 would be 0 to allow all that traffic to travel you want to travel 
But that DMZ port, you can take that and set the security to say you would no set wait port zero is zero port one is is one hundred is yeah one hundred and then port two is fifty anyway what we're doing is set your security so that port two cannot cross over to go to port zero or port one but it can cross through and go to port zero and send internet traffic <clears throat> and I know that was just very confusing I'd have to actually write it out. When I'm programming firewalls, I do two things. I write it out with a pencil, and then I type it up. And the reason I do that is because I want to look at the security and make sure it makes sense to me before I program those ports. So to try to tell it to you now, and I didn't type it in my notes because it's a little bit off the cuff here, but it gets a little confusing. But anyway, put it into that DMZ or demilitarized zone. Okay, So you want to put it in there. And make sure that they can't cross to the internal network is what you're doing. And if you have them on a total subnet and you don't have any VLAN routing anyway, they should never get there anyway. So, or again, as Mike Smith said, you could do it with two separate routers. You could do it with two separate access points. You can put an access point out there, uh, you know, plug it into the internet or just for the internet modem. And you can put the wireless access point your doc. Most doctor's offices aren't very big. Put the other wireless access point in the patient's rooms or in the doctor's office and wire that into their network switch so they can get into all their network stuff, but everybody else goes straight to the Internet. So you can definitely do it that way also. Um, again, though, I do like the Cisco 5550s. Um, I took a security ASA class. Uh, it was a three-day class I took here uh, a couple years ago. And that's what we programmed. We programmed the Cisco 5550s. Uh, we did everything with those except make them talk to you know talk uh, a foreign language. So it was pretty cool to do that. So what is somebody asked today? You know how does people know, or how do you make people understand? Because you may be in a situation uh, like I get into is I have to talk to a board. I talk to a, a group of people, uh, normal individuals that have normal lives uh, that work, you know, normal jobs. Maybe they're not technologists. Uh, they may use a computer, but they're not really in the technology field. You may be in that same case. Say you work for a, a law firm. Uh, you have a gr lot of lawyers, uh, very well-educated people, but they don't really understand what you do, Okay. So what you're going to get there is they're going to say, look, uh, look, Bob, you say uh, they're going to say, look, Bob, we want some wireless in this office because we want to use these iPads to uh, write up uh, uh, legal briefs on our iPads for some reason. And you'd be like, well, all right, well, let me start getting some pricing figured out. And they said, well, now, look, Bob, I just bought a, you know, I just bought a little Cisco router from down at the old local Walmart and I took it home, and it works just fine. Can't you buy four or five of them and throw them in our office and make it really good? And you look at them, and you scratch your head, and you go, well, uh, let me think about that. I guess I could. Uh, yeah, but we could have four or five uh, SSIDs. Uh, the devices aren't going to switch seamlessly between those. So when, when the attorney goes from one office to another, he may have to connect to a different access point. Worse than that, you may have to program uh, six SIDs and six different passcodes or passphrases into all those devices so when they do move around it it may switch you know and you have to 
So you say, wait, no, wait, um, you know, Esquire, uh, Joe, uh, it's not going to work that way. It's part of our job is to educate people that we work for. And this is hard because you're educating somebody that you work for. Somebody assigns your paycheck to do the right thing. Um, and sometimes when we look at doing the right thing, they look at it as doing the most expensive thing. Like they say, well, look, Bob, look, Bob, tech guy, you just want to spend a ton of money. And you're like, no, no, Esquire Joe. That's not it at all. We have to worry about accessibility. Remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago, accessibility and reliability. Those are two main concerns of ours. And now you're talking about security. So accessibility and reliability, that's why you need the enterprise uh, solution of wireless. You can't go to, but their whole life is based on, um, you know, consumer electronics. That's why the iPads are showing up in your offices. That's a consumer piece of gear. It's not a professional piece of gear. Regardless, everybody uses them in the professional world. We even use them in education. We even give them to the kids to use to learn how to do things on them. Because it's going to be, a, it's a key part of society, whatever kind of tablet you have. So we looked at that and we started to uh, dig around a little bit. And you have to make them understand that you got to spend the money. So you, you ask them what an SSID is, and they'll say, I don't know. So you say, when you get on your wireless at home, what does it say? And he'll say, well, it says Esquire Joe, of course. Esquire Joe's wireless. Okay, and he hits that and he click connects to that, that SSID. So you say, well, look, so all you have to do is explain. If in the attorney's office, if I put six uh, consumer access points in this attorney's office, there's going to be six different wireless connections listed on your device. And you're going to have to switch through those based on where you may be in the office. So he'll say, well, that's not a big deal. You say, well, wait. Wouldn't it be much nicer if we put an enterprise solution in and we have one SSID and as you move around, the device switches between the units. You don't have to switch between the units personally on your device. I think they'll start to get it. And then here's the second part. They're going to say, well, they don't get it. Okay, they, Maybe they don't get it. So you say, look, here's the last part is security. We want to make sure that we have a way to look who's on the wireless at any given time. We want a control interface, either a controller in your office, or I like cloud-based controllers the best because I can look at my systems anywhere I'm at in the world as long as I have an internet connection. I can get in, I can see my wireless, I can turn them off, turn them on, switch them around, jump them, make them fall off the ceiling. I can even, honestly, I can make the lights blink off. I can even turn the lights off so somebody thinks they're off. And our wireless is set on a, a, a within a 24-hour clock to turn off at certain times. You can't do that control and command over a uh, over just um, you know a consumer product. It's just not there, and that's why they're 30 bucks. So I think once you stress that to them, maybe then they'll understand that you need an enterprise solution, uh, and you're not there to just spend their money. Um, if I was, if I was there to just spend their money, I would just write myself bonus checks, right? So wouldn't you, wouldn't you just write yourself a three or $4,000 bonus check? If they think you're there to spend money, we're not, we're there to save money per, to give you reliability, right? Um, and, and make sure the reliability is there and make sure you have also, when you look at anything, 
make sure you have scalability. Um, you know, see if you can flash your devices to the latest, greatest. Uh, I understand, you know, uh, there's always new wireless coming out. You know, there's A, there was B, uh, you know, there's N. Uh, you know, they're bringing all these new protocols out. Faster, faster, better, better, better. Can your device flash? I mean, that's something to think about. So, so hopefully I gave you a little bit to ponder tonight, a little bit to put in your head and think about, um, and maybe even a little bit of way to talk to your boss and maybe, you know, get things done. Don't, uh, don't ever, and it's very hard for me to say this, or very easy to say and very hard for you to digest, but don't ever undersell yourself. Um, you know, we have a lot of people uh, that work that we work with that are very educated people, uh, and you get this a lot. Um, well, uh, you know, we want to do blah 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 with the server. Oh, why you got to do that all the time? Because you know, I, I said, "What do you have?" Well, I use Microsoft Word and PowerPoint, and I can make a spreadsheet. And it's not the same. Working on the computer is not the same as command and controlling the computer. What we do, we control the networks, control the computers. Uh, make things happen to make sure this computer has the reliability that our user needs. So uh, that's the stuff you're going to run into out there. And it's just the fact of life. I've been doing this now. Uh, you know, I looked the other day and I said, I've been doing technology for 25 years. Uh, and I told my wife I'm retiring in nine years from it. And she said, you'll still do it. I said, I still do what? She said, you're still going to, you'll still be involved in some kind of technology. Even if you're consulting uh, if you're out working with businesses, she said you might start your own little company and go out and start, um, you know, consulting with customers and putting their builds in for them. And, and I don't know. I don't know. 25 by then, you know, it's going to be almost uh, 35 years worth of uh, technology. But uh, and I see these young kids coming along and face it, guys, girls out there, however old you are watching this, they need they need our experiences. You know, they need. The failures that we've made uh, to make sure they don't make those same mistakes uh, with their technology and what they're building uh, that's coming up. So, and uh, let's face it, everybody, everybody that creates a uh, an iOS app, they create an app for a cell phone. They think they're some kind of a genius technologist, you know. But that's not it. I mean, uh, you know, when you can build the computer, uh, load the computer. Uh, build the network, connect the computers to everything else, run the server systems, run. Then you're becoming a technologist, not because you created a iOS app. I mean, not not that I'm making that, that sound like it's any less of a feat, but there's so many things online now. You can click, click, click. There's my OS app. I mean, so it is what it is. You can't click, click, click and create a VLAN. Trust me. Remember, help me out there. I'm asking you, please, please help me out. All right, everybody. I'm going to wrap it up there tonight. Please remember from the bottom of your heart, to you know your clicking finger as you click across your mouse and you're buying your Christmas presents anyway for everybody out there, use my Amazon link. If you go to tipsontheserverroom.com, shut off your ad blocker, and if you can't find it there, go to jackstechcorner.com and you will find my Amazon link. Click on that whenever you purchase anything from Amazon. Anything. If it's a wristwatch, click it. If it's a $12,000 TV, click it. Use my link. A little proceeds come back to the show. It helps me to uh, keep this show running and to buy uh, gear that I need. I'm always looking for new gear. Ask my wife how much stuff I buy, and then I tear it down and put it in the cupboard and buy more. So I'm always looking to advance the, the, the studio 
and I'm looking for new a new lighting system now uh, to make sure the lights are good in here. So that's something we're looking for now. But use that Amazon link. And folks, you know, a lot of you have taken advantage of this. And we just had a gentleman the other day sign up for two courses. And, and I emailed you back, and I did thank him. Thank you very much for signing up for those courses. Uh, we have one gentleman that signed up for the VMware ESXi course the other day. And thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Um, we have thousands of students in these courses. Um, and I think that's what makes me effective when I go to the college. Even when I go to the colleges and I sit with them is for a two-year course, a two-year technology course right now, they're charging $45,000. $45,000. And I broke it down. I said, well, how much would it be like for a Windows Server course in that $45,000? And they said the Windows Server course portion is probably $2,500. And I said, huh, $2,500. 2500 So, folks, you can learn from me Windows Server 2008 R2, Windows Server 2012 R2, or VMware ESXi from install to administration. Folks, these courses are bar none. Now, nah, there's probably courses out there like them, but this is a really, really good deal for what you're getting. So, you can sign up for these courses if you go to tipsontheserverroom.com, click the little link at the top for courses. Go down, scroll down, and you will see the courses there. Click on one and sign up for that course. And I'm going to tell you today, straight up, it is $2,500. No, it's not. It's $250, okay? two five zero, not two five zero zero. what the college level is, is charging. And this course, you're going to get probably more out of it than what you can get the college level because the college level is going to tell you, flip through a book and look at it. I'm showing you on a video perfect you know high def video everything you need to know so check those out i think you'll be really really impressed uh, the courses are self-paced you watch a video you take a short quiz don't worry about the quizzes i've never seen anybody uh over a thousand people in these courses i've never seen anybody fail yet so don't worry about it. you're not going to fail it trust me if you haven't been to school for 40 years you're going to pass this course it's not that difficult uh, once you're completed with the course, I will personally email you a certificate, and you will get that certificate uh, through there. Uh, they're good for framing. Uh, you print these things out. Uh, it's a digital format, so it's good for sending with your resume. Uh, put it in. I always do mine as a digital packet and send that off. Put it on your LinkedIn. It's another great place to have it. And show like, look, I'm continuing my education. I'm making myself better all the time. So check those courses out. Once again, you can sign up for those at TIPS from the serveroom.com all right everybody well i want to thank you very much for watching on youtube or for uh subscribing and downloading to the podcast and listening to those in your car thank you so much each and every week uh just to see the number of people out there uh watching and listening to this show is, is really really nice and i really appreciate it and it drives me to keep doing it again hope uh, hopefully you can help me with today's question about the vlans i would love to see those emails uh, so if, if you're a network engineer out there or a network guy that's been doing it uh, for a long time programming Cisco uh, gear, please send me that email. I would really, really appreciate it. Folks, thanks. Have a great work week, and I'll talk to you next week here at Tips from the Serve Room. Bye-bye for now.